Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. mighty name we thank you for it and the church said amen would you clap your hands to the Lord again thank you for standing in you may be seated most of us are a little bit at least acquainted with the story of David his life story maybe his biography how that he came from very humble beginnings as a shepherd boy and the Lord anointed him, brought him out of what the Bible called the sheep coat and raised him and elevated him to be king over his people, king over all of Israel, arguably one of the most successful kings to ever reign over God's people. And uh, David was a man, as you know, after God's own heart. And then David, David in portions of his life, we are aware, made some mistakes. And thankfully God is merciful when we make mistakes. And David was able to overcome those mistakes. But those particular mistakes that he made left scars that he had to live with. And there was some situations within his own family, uh, within uh, the lives of his children, that you can see the effects of some of the choices that King David had made. And so it was that, that David's son Absalom had grown bitter against David because of Abnon and the transgress that he had made against Tamar, Absalom's full-blooded sister. Uh, We know that that Absalom became very bitter in David's handling of this, and his bitterness turned the ears of Israel away from David. And evidently, Absalom was a very charming, charismatic-type individual, sort of a natural leader among people. We understand that he was a very uh, comely, beautiful, handsome uh, young man. And he was able through his uh, charisma, his persona, to turn the men of Israel, or at least a great portion of them, against David. And they suited up, as as it escalated, they suited up for battle against David and the battle that came to Jerusalem. And... We know that David refused to do war in that beloved city of Jerusalem. This was not not only a sacred city to him, but it was also the city where uh, the Ark of the Covenant was. It was a place of worship, a place that David felt was sacred to God. So he did not want this to be a place where war or battle or feuds were fought. And so he simply left that city and went out uh, to live in another place and actually went into exile. And during this particular time of Absalom 
doing battle against the armies of David. We know that Absalom was doing war in a particular wilderness and his hair was caught in the tree and the beast that he was riding upon, the Bible says that it went out from under him and left him hanging there in that tree. And Joab came along and noticed this and the Bible tells us that he thrust darts through or arrows through his heart and slew him. And after this, the rebellion that Absalom was leading more or less began to diminish and there was the invitation for David to come back to the city of Jerusalem and reign there again. Many of the folks had realized that this was a mistake to ever ever follow after Absalom, that this was obviously now not God's chosen man. And so their hearts began to be turned back to David. And uh, David was asked to come back to the city of Jerusalem. Again, this was the city that was named in part after him. This was a place that was very sacred to him. And so to be asked to return was a very special event and a turning point in David's life. There were those that posed the question, and it was a very viable question. They said, why is it that the men of Judah are not asking of David to return? And Judah, as you know, signifies praise to you and I. Is typical of praise to you and I. And the question was asked, the one that needs to give the invitation, the one that needs to bring the king back, the one that is obligated to extend uh, the, the call for the king to come and return to this city is in fact Judah. Nobody else can do it, but Judah has to be the one to ask for his return and to make him feel welcome. And so where are the men of Judah? They must, they must welcome the return of the king. And so I want to stop right there at the outset here this morning and state to you that from this Old Testament story, we can still find something that parallels with our lives today and is so typical of where you and I are. In order for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be able to take his rightful throne in our lives, in order for him to be able to move not only in the individual's life, but in a church, in a family of God like this, in a group, in a congregation of people, Judah has to be present. Judah has to welcome him into that place. Judah has to be the one to give the invitation before, before he can ever feel uh, welcome, before he can ever feel obliged to come. We know that praise always precedes the power and the glory of Almighty God. Can you say amen? And when we praise him, we're actually giving an invitation to him. We're asking him to come for his presence to be manifest in our lives. Now, we know that God is omnipresent. 
we understand that God is everywhere at all times. I, I do know that God, amen, doesn't necessarily need my invitation to walk up and down the aisles of this building. He was here before we ever arrived here as far as him being omnipresent. But there is a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. What do you mean, preacher? I'm telling you that when God manifests his presence, uh, that's when his power is on display. That's when his spirit begins to move on people's lives. Uh, That's when you begin to see the working of the Holy Ghost. Uh, That's when you begin to see people's lives affected and touched by the power of Almighty God. And that is so important as we convene in this church service this morning that we not be guilty of just going through the motions of another church service and just be guilty of going through another Sunday morning routine today. But somewhere but the time we leave this place that we not only come into this sanctuary but we come into the manifest presence of God and God feels welcome in this house to move like he wants to move and work as he desires to work and change lives as only he is capable of changing people's lives. How many knows that only God can change some things? Only God can convert a person's soul. Only God God can save. Only God can deliver. Only God can set free and redeem from sin. Only God can make a a, a lasting change in somebody's life. Amen. It's through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's through the working of his spirit in our lives. It's through coming into his presence and being impacted by it. Amen. I want to give him an invitation today to enter into this house, have his way in this place and work his will in every heart and every soul and every life that is in this building. Amen, amen. Uh, this was puzzling to some. Why, why is Judah not present? Why is Judah not there beckoning the return of the king? Why are they not welcoming him to come back across the Jordan? Why is the invitation not being sent out? It's puzzling any time where Judah is not present after all that the king has done for them. Amen. You understand that this was a king that had delivered them from all their enemies. This was a king that had over overthrown uh, the Jebusites and took the very city of Jerusalem that many of them inhabited. And uh, they were able to live safe within the confines of this city because of this king. This king was one that expanded the territory and conquered much of the then known land to Israel. This was a king that had done so much to establish them as a nation. So it was very obvious that if anybody should have been present, if anybody should have been welcoming him back, it should have been the men of Judah. They should have been, they should have been hastening to give him an invitation. They should have been in a hurry to get him back across 
the Jordan River and back into that city that was rightfully his place. They, they should have done everything possible to bring him back into that land and have him near them all that he had done for them, all the things that he had sacrificed to give them, all of the, the victories that he had afforded the people of Israel and the men of Judah. If anybody should have been thankful, it should have been those folks. Hey, how about us here in this room this morning? How about us that is in this sanctuary today? Is there anybody here that is thankful that the king gave you victory over sin? Is there anybody that's thankful that you're still not bound, that you don't have enemies in your life that are suppressing you and holding you down? Amen, but you're here today free from what you used to be and what used to have a hold on you and what used to bind you and restrict you. Free from sin. Free from addiction. Free from some of the problems that imprisoned your life. You're here today. Hey, Judah ought to give some praise. Judah ought to give some worship. Judah ought to be present in the house here today. He said they are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Amen. If there is anybody that ought to be present upon his return, it should be Judah. Praise God. Praise God. There ought to be praise. There's something about praise and thanksgiving and worship to God. It's a very powerful, powerful thing. When we begin to give praise to the Lord, it in itself establishes, it establishes the power of God. Amen. In our minds and our hearts and our faith begins to be elevated and strengthened as we begin to praise the Lord. Amen. We begin to we begin to rehearse all the things that God has done and thank him for it and praise him for it. Then we automatically begin to believe him that he's able to do it again, that he's able to do it even the more, that he's able, if he's done it in the past, that he can do it again, not only right now, but on in the future. He can work and he can do things in our lives that, that we need him to do. Amen. If you want your faith to rise up a little bit and be encouraged and strengthened and enhanced a little bit. I'll tell you how you do it. You just start thanking God. Just go down the list of all the things that God has done for you. Go back to 1989 when he healed your body. Go back to 1974 when he filled you with the Holy Ghost. Go back to 1990 when, when God brought you out of a terrible situation. Go back, if you will, over your life story. Take a little journey down memory lane and begin to think about the blessings of God and you won't be able to help yourself. You'll want to raise your hands and you'll want to you want to lift up your voice and you'll want to give some praise unto God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here today? You know what it is to take a little journey and think about all the things that God has done for you. Meditate on it just a little while and there'll be a shout that'll rise up in your spirit. There'll be worship that'll come from the depths of your soul. You won't be able to remain silent. There'll be a thanksgiving. There'll be a praise on your lips when you think about all that God has done for you. 
Amen. And those of us that have lived for God for the longest, we got more to praise him for than anybody else has got to praise him for. We got more to be thankful for. We got more days that he's kept us and more days that he's provided for us and more days that that he's worked things out in our lives and more evidence of his hand working in our lives than anybody else in this room. So if anybody ought to be praising God, it ought to be us that have been living for the Lord for some time. It ought not be the new convert that outworships the old convert. It ought to be the saints of God, amen, that are thankful, still thankful after all these years for what God has done for them. Hallelujah. Let's give praise to him today. Let's give thanks to him today. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. It says in the word of the Lord, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Thou hast perfected praise. What is it about that scripture? And I know there's probably more than one way of looking at it because, you know, scripture sometimes can be like a crucible and you look at it from one angle, you get, you get one beautiful uh, dimension and you get one way of, of, of receiving from it and strength from it. But, you know, there's something about a child that in their innocency, they just say it like it is. They don't hide anything. They don't restrain. They don't have self-restraint a lot of times that they learn as they enter into adulthood. If they're hungry, they don't mind telling you. And uh, if they're thirsty, they don't mind telling you. And sometimes this can be to the embarrassment of their uh, parents. If they don't like something, they don't mind telling you. You can be sitting at a guest as a guest at somebody's table and and food is served, and and uh, the spinach comes around, and the child looks at the spinach and turns up their nose and makes a face and says, "I don't like spinach," and and uh, parents are mortified, but the child's just being honest. It's just being honest. That's just the way it is. Uh, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise, Amen. Because of the sincerity and the honesty. And the inability to show self-restraint. A child just says what is on their heart. That's what is beautiful to God is when we don't restrain ourselves and we don't learn how to become professional Pentecostals. And we don't learn how through religiosity just to restrain ourselves to the perfect song and the perfect time and the perfect situation. But we come to the house of God and with reckless abandonment, so to speak, we make up our minds. I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you because there's no one that is worthy as you are worthy. There's nobody that is deserving like my God. There's nobody that has shown such goodness and mercy to me as you have. I'm thankful that I'm here today. I'm thankful that I'm in the house of God. I'm thankful that I am able to serve the Lord. I'm still thankful to, amen, for this truth. I I am very appreciative that the Lord filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm very thankful for the mercies of God that he has shared in my life. Amen. I'm thankful for the grace of God that has kept me and enabled me to step into this place this morning. And so I'm going to give him praise and worship 
Amen. Amen. Could there be some men of Judah and women of Judah in this house that would give praise to the Lord and give thanks to the Lord right now? It is curious to me who else met him. The Bible says that there was this man by the name of Shimei. Now, Shimei, you understand when it looked like momentum was against David, and he was on the side of Absalom, and maybe he already had something in his heart against David. He began to curse and hurl stones, and I won't go into all of the details of that, but we know that Shimei had acted in a very rebellious manner against David. And David could have, and possibly some would have, held this against Shimei upon his return. Now he's back in authority. Now he has the ability to penalize him. He has the ability uh, to execute him if he would. This is a man that had cursed him. This is a man that had hurled stones at him. This is a man that had called him names, made fun of him and mocked him. But David said, I'm not going to waste my energy, my time, or my effort in trying to uh, exact some kind of vengeance upon Shimei. And I believe that Shimei represents the sinner. He represents the person that has made a mistake, the person the person that has failed, the person that has come up short, the person that has done something that they regret, the person that has shame to deal with and guilt. You can almost sense it in this story as he comes to meet David. He realized, my life's in David's hands. I realize that, that, that all that my future is is in David's hands. And David has the ability and the power in his hands to put me to death at this point. And I've made a mistake. I was wrong. And he humbles himself before David. And he comes uh, and uh, he, 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 maybe even he prostrates himself on the ground before David. And David says, I'm going to, to give you an opportunity. I, I'm going to give you a chance here. I'm going to set some boundaries uh, around this city. And if you live within those boundaries, and if you live within the city limits of Jerusalem, then I'm going to allow you to live. At the moment that you go outside of the city of Jerusalem you will die. Amen. But we're going to show mercy to you. Aren't you thankful that when you've made a mistake aren't you thankful when you've done things that you regret? Aren't you thankful that you, when you made not so good of choices and, and you made decisions that you wish you could go back and undo and unravel that, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords doesn't stand there with a belly club and beat you up over the head with it and say you know what there's no more opportunities there's no more chances there's no more hope there's there's no there's no way that I'm going to allow you to live but you you deserve thus and so this is the judgment that is you've got coming to you this is what this is what 
the penalty is for your sin. We all know that the wages of sin is death. We all know that we deserve, amen, not to live, but we deserve to die. We all know, amen, that, that according to this black book that I'm preaching out of today, that, that there is, uh, there is a, a, an exaction, there is a judgment for sin. And when sin is committed, uh, that God is not mocked, uh, amen, but I'm thankful that he is a merciful God. And when somebody comes like Shimei did and says, God, I need your help. King, I've made a mistake. King, i failed you. King, I've went against your word. King, I've done something that I'm ashamed of. I've done something that I'm guilty of death because of. But if you'll be merciful to me, and if you'll give me a chance, I want to serve you. I want to do what you asked me to do. Can I preach to somebody today that if you'll repent, we've got a God that is faithful and just to forgive us, the scripture says, of our sins when we confess them, when we come to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I made a mistake. I've failed. Amen. I miserably have been a failure. I'm not making excuses. I'm taking responsibility for my actions. But God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your blood to cover me. I need you to wash me again. Oh, lift up your hands and thank God for his mercy. Come on, we deserve to be condemned. We deserved, we deserve judgment. We are unworthy. We are unworthy. We are guilty. But thankfully, thankfully, God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords is able to extend mercy to us. Praise God. We all ought to be so thankful for the mercies of a God. We ought to be so thankful that he is a gracious God. I feel in my spirit to tell somebody here today that you can start over again. Somebody can hit the reset button here today. Somebody can, can start all over again here today. Somebody can begin anew here today. Somebody can make it right here today. Somebody can come to an altar and walk away here a fresh new man or woman with the slate clean. How is that possible? You say, with all that I have done and everything that I've been involved in, I'm telling you, it is possible because there's a cleansing agent called the blood of Jesus that is stronger and more powerful than any stain that sin has. It is able to cleanse your mind. It is able to cleanse your heart. It is able to cleanse your spirit. And if you'll allow God, he'll restore you. He'll give you a place in Jerusalem. He'll give you a place in the church. He'll give you a place within the borders of safety if you'll just come and say, God, here I am. And I need you. I need you. I need you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Not only, not only Judah, not only, not only Shimei, but there was another young man who David had shown mercy to, you understand that Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan who was the grandson 
or rather Mephibosheth was the grandson of Saul. It was customary for kings of that day to kind of annihilate any former relatives of the king, anybody that could assume the throne. They would put them to death. They would kill them, kind of secure themselves and their, their own family and their own dynasty. But we know that when Ziba, the servant of Saul, told David about Mephibosheth living in Lodabar, that he called for him, gave him an invitation to come, and he asked him to come and eat at his table every day all that he desired and all that he wanted. So David had been very kind to this young man. David had left. Mephibosheth's heart was hurting. And when he returns, we understand that Mephibosheth was a young man that had been hurt in his life because a nurse, when he was five years old, a nurse, when the news came from Mount Gilboa, that Saul and Jonathan had in fact been slain. This nurse, the one that he trusted for his care, while she was carrying him, she fell and she fell upon him, leaving him lame in his feet, the Bible says. And so when the king returns, he's returning and he's looking among those people and he's looking for this young man, Mephibosheth, this this man that had a handicap, this, this man that had been, uh, if you could say it this way, crushed in life and wounded in life. And life had seemingly been unfair to him. There had been some, some deep hurts and there would have been some brokenness in his life. And Mephibosheth, uh, God, God had a message through this for you and I through this young man and his, his, his coming to meet the king is that the Lord, the king of kings, is interested in people in this room here today and throughout this city that maybe, maybe there's been some unwarranted hurts and concerns and cares and burdens that have made crushing blows and left indelible marks and, and left them handicapped Maybe there's some folks that is in this room here today that I may be preaching to that like Mephibosheth. Put your trust in somebody. Put your confidence in somebody. And, and uh, they failed in that they dropped you. Or maybe you felt the crushing blow and the hurt from that relationship. Can I preach to you today? The king is looking for you. Among this crowd, he's looking for you. He, he wants you uh, to be here. He, he wants to meet you. He, he wants to minister to you. Among that crowd, I don't doubt, this, this young man was a very special young man to David. And he's scanning that audience looking for Mephibosheth. This is the one that I choose to show mercy to. This is the one that I have chosen to help. This is a man that has some scars and handicaps and 
He's in need of my grace. He's in need of my mercy. And if there's anybody that I want to see, if there's anybody that I want to minister to, it is to him. I come preaching to somebody here today. I'm telling you that God is a healer of broken hearts. God is able to strengthen people that it feels like life and the situations and the storms of life have been brutal. And it seems like that that you've been ravaged by certain circumstances of life. And you wonder, does the king still care? Does the king still love me? Does the king still want me? Is the king still going to invite me to sit at his table? And you notice that there was a conversation between the king and Mephibosheth in this text. Now the king hasn't forgot you just because you've been hurting and just because you've been wounded does not mean that he's given up on you. It doesn't mean that you are damaged goods to him and that he doesn't want you around anymore. Now you understand for a king to have in his presence somebody that was handicapped in that day was not kosher. It was not something that was usually done. But the king said, I want him to have a place at my table. I want him to have a place where he can come and eat like any other king's child comes. And I want him to have as much as he wants. And you tell him that there's bread at my table continually. Whenever he gets hungry, whenever he's in need, whenever he wants to, he has a standing invitation. I've come to tell somebody in this room today that you have a standing invitation into the presence of the king. It doesn't matter what you've been through in life. It doesn't matter what you've faced in life. It doesn't matter how harsh life has been to you. You can come. You can experience the mercy and the goodness of Almighty God. You can eat at his table continually. Continue. You see, we sometimes, we think of it as being just something that, that uh, you know, that there, there must be some kind of limitations. There has to be some kind of, there has to be some kind of line there that, that that's it. Praise God. I'll never, I'll never have another invitation after that. Or uh, mercy and, and the goodness of God is, is, is at some point, uh, there's got to be limits to it. And I understand that there are lines of demarcation, but I don't believe it's necessarily in God's mercy and his goodness towards us. I believe it's in our own hearts and our own minds that where we sear our own consciousness with a hot iron and we develop within our own selves a callousness towards the things of God. Therefore, we find it difficult to come back. We find it difficult to find uh, the, the touch and the grace of God as we need it. Amen. But I believe with all of my heart we're serving a God that's just what his word says. And that is that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. And God is able, if we can allow him to, to work in our situations and in the hearts of every individual that's in this place. I think we ought to raise our hands right now. Lift up our voices to God right now. I think we ought to talk to the Lord right now. God, I want you to help me. I'm in need of you. I rely upon you. I desire you to touch my life. And then finally, upon David's return, 
there was this man that had a operation, a business, a ferry boat that would go back and forth across the Jordan. His name was Barzillai. Maybe he'd been running this business for some time because he was an elderly man. Four score years old, the scripture says, 80 years old. And so Barzillai, at the invitation of David upon his return, he had helped him get across, fleeing originally from Absalom, and now he's the one that is asking him, or helping him rather, as he comes back to the city of Jerusalem. And David extends an invitation to him. He said, why don't you come with me? Why don't you join me? And I think this is very significant. Why don't you join me? There's going to be celebration. There's going to be a lot of good food to eat. There's going to be rejoicing. It's going to be an exciting, exhilarating time. I'm coming back to the throne. I'm being reestablished and restored as king in Jerusalem. And I want you to notice what Barzillai says to him. He said, I'm 80 years old. He said, I can't even anymore discern between good and evil. He said, can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? And I cannot hear anymore the voice of singing men or singing women. In other words, what he was saying to David is it's too late for me. It's... It's just really too late. I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you being so kind to me as to invite me to come. But do you understand where I'm at in life? Do you understand that it's just too far gone? Do you understand that at this point there's just no use? It's too late for me. And so... Using that, I want to preach to somebody that may feel the same way. No, you don't have to be 80 years old to feel like it's too late for you. Matter of fact, you can be 18 years old and feel like it's too late for you. You can be 28 years old and feel like it's too late for you. You can be 38 years old and feel like it's too late for you. You can be 48 years old and feel like it's too late for you. What are you trying to say? Amen. I'm not so much talking about a physical condition, but I'm talking about a spiritual place that a person can feel like they've reached in their life to say that, you know what, there's no hope for me. There's no use trying for me. Amen. I cannot, I cannot discern anymore. I cannot feel anymore. I cannot taste the goodness of God anymore. I'm going to tell you that's a lie, Brazilian. When the king invites you to come, you need to take advantage of the invitation. You need to stand up and say, yeah, if you're inviting me, I'm going to be an honored guest because it isn't often that you get an invitation from the king. And I, I want to preach to somebody today again and tell you that you are in a perfect place to receive the mercy that you need to receive. Don't sit there and say, well, there's no use trying. There's no use praying. There's no use repenting. There's no use, uh, there's no use in going to an altar. There's no use in giving my heart and life to God. 
There's no use of me going any further with this than, than what I've already gone. It's too late for me. No, that's the lie that the enemy would want you to believe. The adversary is trying to tell somebody even now that it's too late for you. But I come as a preacher of hope to preach to somebody in this place and tell you that it's not too late, that there's still enough power in God. There's still enough mercy. There's still enough goodness of God. There's still enough Holy Ghost. There's still enough ability of God in this house to change your life. If you'll just give God a chance, he can do it for you. Would you stand to your feet here this morning? Would you lift up your hands and let's thank God. Come on, let's give our praise to God. Let's give our praise to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give our praise to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Help me a little bit. Help me a little bit right now. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Let's seek the face of the Lord. Let's talk to him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, merciful God, merciful God, merciful God. Come on, let's reach a little further. Let's pray a little more intensely. Let's seek the face of God. Is there somebody wants restoration here today? Is there somebody wants help here today? God's throwing out a lifeline to you. God's wanting to help you today. God's wanting to give you a chance here today. God's wanting to touch somebody's heart here today. God's wanting to turn some things around for somebody here today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Is there somebody that's hungry? Is there somebody that would open your heart to the invitation of the king here this morning? Is there somebody that would feel that God has dealt with your heart and God has spoken to you? You'd say, God, whatever it is that you desire of me and whatever it is that you want and expect of me, I want God to do your will. I want God to please you with my life. I want to give myself wholeheartedly to you and I place myself in your hands. I realize, God, that I've come this far because of the goodness, the graciousness, every turn in my life, every, every fork in the road that I've came to. You've been there to direct me. You've been there to help me. You've been there to lead me. I'm not here by coincidence this morning. I'm not here in this service by some accident. But I'm here because you purposed it. Because you've led me to this place. And God, I don't want to miss the moment that you provided. I don't want to miss the opportunity that is before me. Oh, yes. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray together right now. Let's pray together right now. 
every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's talk to the Lord for just a moment here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel this heavy upon my heart. feel like I'm preaching to somebody. feel like I'm talking to someone here today that you fit in one of these categories that we preached about. And you wonder, you wonder, come on, every head bowed and every eye closed. You wonder, is God really able to help me? Could God do it for me today? Amen. I want to tell you that he can, that he can, that he can. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder if you wouldn't step out from where you are and make your way to this altar today as we come. I'm giving this invitation to folks to come to an altar. Say, God, you're the only one that can fix it. You're the only one that can make it better. You're the only one that can turn things around. You're the only one that can change my heart and life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I certainly need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. God, I need you. Come on, let's come and pray. Let's come and talk to God. Let's let's come and pour our hearts out in this altar today. Hallelujah. Jesus is here for somebody. Jesus is here for somebody. Come on, Barzillai. It's not too late. Come on, Mephibosheth. I know you've been hurt. God's able to restore. Come on, Shimei. I know you made some mistakes. But God is able to show mercy. Hallelujah. I'm coming. I'm coming. Hallelujah. I'm coming to pray. I'm coming to meet the king. I'm coming. God, I need you today. I need you. I hunger for you. I truly desire you. I I love you. God, your presence, and you're so good to me, and you're so wonderful in my life. Come on, let's pray and talk to the Lord. Let's seek the face of God. Let's call on his name right now. Let's let's reach out to him. Let's don't hold back today. Hallelujah, he's in this place. He's in this place. He's in this place.